Welcome to the latest podcast in the Workplace series from the People Mentor, Nicola Richardson. Hi, welcome to the latest podcast from Nicola at the People Mentor. Today we're interviewing Kathy Hilton, whose business is Thrive Minds. Welcome, Kathy. Hi there, thank you for having me. That's lovely. I, I, I saw your comments on LinkedIn and I was really intrigued about you and that's why I wanted to interview you because I thought that there were some really interesting thoughts that you were sharing so I wanted to, to explore it more. So tell us a bit about your business first. What is okay. it? So um, my business, I suppose if you were going to label it, would come under the um, umbrella of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. but that's a huge industry nowadays. Um, So I specialise in working with individuals that are struggling with their confidence and motivation. Um, And they can be people that are working within a business, but equally they can be be people that are running the business. Um, And I started five and a half years ago. And really what happened was I worked in corporate, I worked in pharma for about 17 years. Mm -hmm. Really enjoyed it, but I didn't really fit in because I was a very emotionally charged person, I suppose. And they were very analytical. Um, and so I decided to go off and do a psychology degree and I got made redundant just as that was coming to an end and decided to go into coaching. Yeah. And uh, the big catalyst was how horrendous we all found the redundancy process. And I just thought this, this, there has to be a, a better way of people being supported going through a challenging time, whether it's in whatever form of stress it is at work. And that was really sort of my mission. I just thought, no, everyone's just going through a hellish time and it shouldn't be this awful for them. And that's really where I started. So I, uh, whilst I was doing my coaching course, I yeah. did 100 hours pro bono. All right. I knew what I was doing and yeah. that I was going in the right direction. Um, and I added the value that I wanted to add, yeah. which I thankfully did. Um, and then I've really, that's what I've been doing ever since, working with individuals that um, even to a lot of other people on the outside world, they're doing really well, particularly the guys who are running their own businesses. Their businesses are successful. People look up to them. They've got a lot of peer pressure around them of people thinking they must be 100% brilliant and amazing all of the time. But of course, they're human. So, mm. they, can't. so they have a real, real issue with imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, and also that fear that they could lose it any day because they all started from day one just like all of us start in a business day one you start um and it doesn't really matter talking to people who've been doing it for two years or people who've been doing it for 20 years they still have the back of their mind remember that day one and definitely the first year where it's very uh overwhelming because there's so much to learn and that's really where i add the value for my clients excellent um and i think that's that's really needed as well i think in in this day and age um it's so easy to feel underconfident or bamboozled by so much going on that you you just feel like you're not coping very well absolutely and i think yesterday was a really good day with it being world mental health day and it was really good to see the amount of people that weren't just talking about the day in itself but actually being very candid about their own personal experiences Mm. in linkedin was an amazing place to read and facebook to be fair yeah Uh, some very very um amazingly brave people sharing those stories i think the more and more that that happens the easier it is for all of us to go do you know what actually we might be smiling at the minute but that doesn't mean that we're doing okay and it's okay if we're not doing okay and there are people out there and resources out there to help us yeah no i think you're right and i think also it's interesting i read one story where the person um louisa shared about her experiences on the other side so being the partner of somebody who was suicidal and what it was like and that was interesting to read because i think we forget about the people that are involved in that family as well and how it's affecting them so it's not just one person that needs support it's others as well isn't it couldn't agree more having had depression myself and had uh, a partner with depression I'm very aware of both sides of the coin and they are equally challenging mm. and I think that's something that um always brings a tear to my eye when my clients share that their partner and their children or their parents or whomever it is that's in their family circle comments on them being back I think is the best way that they can put yeah. it yeah. Um, and it's and it's always just an amazing thing to not only see my client blossom and return to themselves but equally to know that they're now able to enjoy their personal life and their family and friends and loved ones in a way that they weren't able to Mm. when we first start working together so yeah Mm. absolutely 
Um, mm. it's, it's, it's a, a much wider issue than just the person who's, who's having a tough time. Mm. So I, so many years ago, well, a few years ago, about five years, I had a heart attack. And interestingly, of course, everybody, you get, you get rehab nurse and you get lots of attention for a short period of time. One of the things they don't deal with is, is you almost suffer like post-traumatic stress because you're so worried. And that doesn't go away for years. I'm finally getting to the stage where I can accept that I'm okay and I don't need to worry so much. Um, but it also affected my husband dreadfully. And it, because he, they have a worry of losing you, of, you know, they almost try to protect you in cotton wool. And people don't address those sort of issues, I don't think, usually. No, I don't think they do. I think, again, um, um, I actually uh, had a, a fantastic conversation with a, a gentleman who had a stroke and he said exactly the same thing. Mm. Once he was, had the physical symptoms had been, um, it had been healed to, to the way they could be healed, that was mm. that then um he he was he was well yeah um, and he was said you know for him and his wife that was it was the tip of the iceberg mm. in him actually recovering um and i think that's again something that isn't always understood um you know when somebody's had mental health issues not only are they worried about the return so are the immediate family mm. as well and you can get incredibly oversensitized to mm. things as a result and over worry about something that previous to that um life experience you wouldn't have taken too much attention of and again it's it's a process of going through and um learning to not over focus on things going forward um, mm. and that is actually a big big challenge it is it's really big isn't it i think and i think you see that that affects so many things doesn't it It affects you at work because you overthink things you i have i ha, i used to have this real fear of offending people all the time and have i done this right and it was really down to confidence so and it, that goes back to almost the imposter syndrome doesn't it and so i suppose yeah we all tend to overthink things far too much quite often don't we well, we do and we don't. I say, I'll be, I'll be candid. I do have a problem with the label overthinking. Right. Um, because to me, it implies that there's a right amount of thinking that someone should do. And I yeah. don't agree with that. I think what it is, is it's when the thinking becomes unhelpful to you. Yeah. It's a problem. So I might think about something for a longer period of time or in more depth than my partner might. Mm -hmm. But if that is having a positive effect on me because because I, I'm wired differently to him, then that's absolutely fine. Mm. For me, it's when you're continuously having thoughts that are creating negative feelings and then you're exhibiting negative behavior is when you need to worry. Generally saying that overthinking just kind of makes people stress about whether they're thinking you, too much, too yeah. little, not enough, uh, not at all. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I, it's one of those things I get why people say overthinking, but to me it's like, well, that doesn't really mean anything to me. It's the context of the thoughts that matter, not the Do volume. Yeah, do you know what? I love that. That is a really down-to-earth way of looking at it because you're right. It's when it starts doing that, that negative that negative impact and that's what it was doing to me at that time. Um, yeah. So, and I've learned now to, you know, to switch off at the right times and I have certain things that, set, that give me the clues that I need to. So, yeah. That's uh, I, I do like that. Thank you for sharing that, and I think that okay, helps people. That helps people realise as well that it's only when it turns negative. I think she's throwing things at me. <laughs> did you knock something over? <laughs> I did. Sorry, apologies. <laughs> I didn't realise my phone was at the side, so I just moved slightly, and it just disappeared off the side of the sofa. Sorry about that. <laughs> as long as you can find it, that's the main thing. Oh, I, I can live without my phone. Don't you worry. <laughs> That's better than me. My husband says I'm addicted. I probably need help with that. <laughs> so what um, is the biggest help that you think you give people from what you do? I think the biggest help I give them is for them to realise that how they're thinking and feeling is absolutely okay for the context of what's going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time when they first phone me, we first have our introductory chats. Um, they're really struggling to um, have the confidence to even tell me what's going on in their life because they feel that somehow they shouldn't have this problem, they shouldn't have this worry. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of guilt and shame uh, comes with what my clients are going through. Because mm -hmm. again, as I say, 
not only do people perceive that they're very successful and they're doing really well and, and, and tell them all the time, which causes this uh, paradox between how they're really feeling and what people perceive of them. Mm. But equally, they're going around perceiving that everybody else is okay, just as the people in their world are perceiving them. Mm. So they're really conflicted. And the biggest value I give them is to really go down the psychology route and say, okay, let me just ex explain to you why you're feeling and thinking like this. Mm -hmm. like absolutely understandable in the situation that you find yourself in and this is what we're going to do about it so that you no longer stay stuck here and we move you to a place where you are enjoying work and you are happy and you are having the quality of life that you deserve mm -hmm. um, and so actually it's really very much at the beginning where they realize that it's absolutely okay that they feel as they do and that something practical can be done about it mm. I think it's useful doing that explaining and that's good to hear I think so yeah yeah i think if you don't understand why you're feeling the way that you do then any kind of um solution to it you get a resistance to because we do genuinely like to understand what's going on mm. we don't just want you know i know there's a lot of quick fixes and those kind of things outside out there in the world but more often than not actually what we want is to understand why because mm. when we understand why the fear goes we can rationalize it we might not like it Mm. but we can rationalize it and then we can understand how the things around us can aid us in getting where we want to go um, and as I say a lot of the time clients come to me and they're just so exhausted with the mm. whole thing of going to work I mean often they don't even want to go to work um, mm. you know, they're getting up at so waking up at four five o'clock in the morning and mm. feeling sick and stressed about the fact they've got to go to work mm. um, it is it's a very debilitating um, so if they understand that actually what's going on there is a load of biology as well as psychology, mm. then they would start to understand that actually it's a, a load of stress building up in them that's producing adrenaline, which is what is waking them up and keeping them awake. So it's things like that where they start thinking it's just because they're, there's something wrong with them, as, you know, individually, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they're the only one and there's something, fun, something really seriously wrong with them as a person, which there isn't. No, and I think that's it. And then you can get also hooked on that there's something seriously ill, as in physical, with you as well. Because um, I've had a daughter who's been um, severely stressed, and as a result, she's had all sorts of symptoms, and she's thought her thyroid's playing up and all of this. And actually, it, the doctors have put it down to the stress that she was under. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I think it's. Um... You will get physiological symptoms from acute stress mm. um, and they may well they may well be separate uh, separate things that are going on simultaneously so of course it's always important to go and discuss any yeah. kind of physical symptom with a trained professional yeah definitely. Um, definitely but equally yeah it is um to be aware that your body will tell you when you are running on empty when you're not doing okay um mm. and so one of the ways it does that is a lot of the emotional, the thinking patterns, that those kind of things. But equally, you will get physical symptoms. And the, you know, the typical ones are um, not sleeping, struggling to, to get to sleep, um, restlessness, um, struggling to concentrate, irritability, mm. those kind of things. Mm. Um, though you might not think they're physical symptoms, they are because you're quite rigid and, um, how can I put it? Yeah, you just you've got tension in your back and your shoulders the majority mm. of the time. Those kind of things mm. um, can be an indicator of starting to suffer with acute stress. Mm. That's really helpful. So, gets people thinking as well, and perhaps then can support each other. So that's good to hear that you know what to look out for. Um, and quite often you don't necessarily know that you're stressed. It's only you have all these symptoms. You think you're coping really well, don't you? And then, as you say, you get to that stage where it's affecting you so severely. Yeah, you can do. I think it's one of those cases of um, often when we're going through a stressful period in our lives, we have a we there's a catalyst for it. Um, so you can get into that sort of mindset of, right, well, okay, for example, I've got um, a very big stretch target in my business, um, but we're partway through now, just keep going, it's only going to be a couple more months and we'll come out of it, we'll be all right. And you can kind of mm. talk yourself into staying in a very destructive, toxic place for your well-being because mm. you see that the end point is on the horizon. And what we forget is, and actually that end point might never you know we'll get further and further away if we're not doing okay because we won't be able to contribute to our best so that delivery date is a beacon 
that's going to continuously keep moving away from us which is only going to do any the only thing that's going to do is um exacerbate the whole situation mm. it my biggest piece of advice i would give anybody who is concerned about their stress levels mm-hmm. is to write a journal for between seven to ten days mm. um and just write a bit about how you felt that day what you've done that day and just get it all out on a piece of paper mm-hmm. um do reread your entries but do your daily entry first and then retrospectively read um what you've been writing because over a seven to day seven to ten day period you will start to see if there are any patterns that are going on that suggest Mm. maybe you are you're not doing uh, you are struggling a little bit with what's going on in professional life but Mm. equally don't be afraid to ask those that are are closest to you those that are around you because we often see things in other people far 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 quicker than we see them in ourselves Mm. Um, so if you if you are worried um, there is nothing wrong with asking somebody else who is close to you that sees a lot of you to say, you know, I'm wondering whether I am struggling a little bit with work and stress and getting a bit overwhelmed. Have you seen any changes in me recently? Mm. Now, I mean, there is a caveat to that because, of course, our loved ones will then get very protective and may fall in the kindest way into terms of being a little bit too overanalyzing. Mm. But then again, if you're doing the journey at the same time, it's just it just gives you an opportunity to... Um, take a look at a, a wider time than what we typically do. We typically only reflect on the last 48 hours. Mm, we do. Um, yeah, and if your last two days have been pretty crap, you'll be forgiven for thinking that it's actually been like that for a bit longer. Yeah, yeah. You know. So that's really good tips. So thank you for that. Pleasure. Um, so would you apply those tips to when having a bad day or are there other tips you would share if you're having a bad day uh, and it seems to be continuing how do you get yourself out of that or not necessarily out of it that's probably the wrong words and I'm sure you describe it much better than me but you know to move you on it's a good question um, I think the very first thing to understand about when you're having a, a bad day is the source of the bad day Mm-hmm. so it could be that what you're actually having to do that day at work just doesn't fit with your motivation pattern it's one of those things that you have to do it's part of your job um, but actually you really don't enjoy it it doesn't give you any pleasure um, mm-hmm. and that can bring your mood down because we are we like to do things we enjoy we like to do things that we enjoy and challenges and when we're, we've done we've not been doing something like that for a number of hours it can demotivate us and make us feel down so that might be the reason, or it might be actually, it's got nothing to do with the task at hand. It's to do with the fact we've not had a break. Mm. We are not actually uh, designed to sit at a desk for hours on end, staring mm. at a screen. If you go back to actually <laughs> how we <laughs> evolved and how our bodies are designed, we are designed to move. Mm. Um, and often one of the first things I find with people that are struggling with their motivation is that they have got into the habit of not taking regular breaks and absolutely sitting at their desk and eating their lunch. Mm. And it is really not good for you. And, mm. you know, I get, um, I get people, so I work in an office in Congleton and I will go into other people's offices and go, when did you last have a walk? Right off you go. And I'll, so I'll encourage them to go to, the coffee, <laughs> to go to the coffee room downstairs on a different floor from them yeah. and use the stairs. And they'll think I'm crazy because to them it's wasting valuable minutes. But to me, you're moving. Mm. Um, you know, you've obviously got to be careful of health and safety on stairs with drinks so they have to come back up in the lift but mm. um, the point is is that they're moving um, and at this time of the year you know I don't know what the weather's been like with you today but it's been pretty Holy. wet <laughs> yeah. you know, I know all of my clients I've already sent the messages that have come back going but yeah but it's raining I, was like, I don't care if it's raining you can go outside for five minutes and it's things like that that we don't realise make a huge difference mm. I mean um, it's it's very powerful because when you're looking at a screen all day, you're not playing around with your distances and people don't understand how important that is for our brain. Our eyes are constantly taking in lots of information. If we're just focusing on a tiny little screen, you start to get eye strain, you start to get headache. Um, so a lot of what's going on in bad days potentially can just be that the modern way of working isn't as conducive for how we're designed as mm. potentially it could be because we're stationary hunched looking at a screen. Um, but if it is actually a day where um, it's actually been a more of a ripple effect, so you've had a couple of days where you started to see motivation dipping and now you really feel a bit like, oh, God, do I really have to do this? And, you know, you're really struggling to 
to build that energy up to actually do the tasks at hand and sometimes they can be tasks you really enjoy but you still have a barrier to to starting them Mm -hmm. then what I would do in that situation is firstly go and grab a drink and stretch my legs and I come back and sit down and pick a blank piece of paper up and I would write out exactly what I'm thinking in my inner voice get it all Mm. out I call it a rant on paper (laughs) don't worry about spelling don't worry about grammar don't worry about whether you start uppercase lowercase or how much you write I've written two pages before I had a client that wrote four um, um, <laughs> some people just write a couple of, of sentences it really doesn't matter but really what's going on when you're having a motivational dip is mm-hmm. you are frustrated there are things that are getting frustrating you and getting in your way um, yeah. and they've just overloaded you once you've done that rant uh, leave, it, leave it on the desk obviously don't leave it on the desk where colleagues and your boss can read it especially if there's anything <laughs> about them in it um, and just again go away from it just for five minutes I know I've already said go and have a drink and then do the rant. Now I'm suggesting you get up again, but it is really important Mm. and get away from it just for a minute. Um, And then when you come back, get a pen and circle anything in that rant you can do something about. Mm. Because the frustrations come when we have no control over things. So I'll give you a really good example. Last year, I launched an online career coaching program. And Mm -hmm. I was ready to go, everything else. And tech let me down and there was nothing I could do about it. I'd love Mm. to say I can control PayPal. I cannot. (laughs) And there was nothing I could do. And I was getting more and more and more frustrated because I couldn't get it out. So people couldn't buy it. People wanted to buy it. You know, all of that. They should have been an amazing experience for me because people wanted to buy an online course I'd written. Happy days. But it wasn't because of this frustration. So by actually ranting it all out, in fact, I remember doing a video about it. It's quite funny because I was flicking my hair all over the place. I was very <laughs> frustrated that day. Um, I, went, I went round and I circled everything I could do something about, yeah. which actually in the context of it wasn't that much. I'd left it with PayPal. They were doing what they needed to do. The rest of it, I just had to be patient. And my frustration level went down massively because then the things on, in my rant I could do, I could crack on with. So I felt back in control again and my frustration had left me because like, I've done everything I can do about that issue. I, mm. It's now with the right people, get on with it. Mm. So by circling the things that you can do something about straight away, instead of feeling frustrated, you feel empowered. You mm. can do something. Write those circled elements down as your action list. Like Those are the actions I'm going to take. You'll already be starting to feel better about yourself. And when you reread your rant, you will find it very funny because mm. your spelling will be quite interesting. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the, pe- the pressure of your pen nib is always a funny one as well. You can tell when you've got really into what's bugging you, because it's a lot bigger, deeper indentation on the paper. Um, and then what you do is once you've got your actions out, you've circled them, you've written them onto a separate piece of paper, is you just enjoy ripping that piece of paper up into tiny bits and throwing it in the bin. Do you know what? This is brilliant. Done that is a really great one to share (laughs) and and it works beautifully I've had loads of people tell me I've posted about it several times on LinkedIn and done videos about it numerous as well and people have told me they've they've really found it very very effective um Mm. one guy did suggest you set fire to it before you put it in the bin but I suggested (laughs) that was taking it a little bit too yeah health and safety I'm not recommending that at all (laughs) but it's, it's it's just a case of it it plays it's a bit playful but it's also practical because what you're doing in all the techniques I ever share with clients um, and with people who read my stuff is when we're struggling, we're feeling emotional. And when we're emotional, it's very hard for us to identify any kind of logical action because we're not being logical. We're not being analytical. Mm. So by doing these activities, doing these techniques that I share, what I'm doing is I'm getting you to do something analytical. So mm. logic starts coming in. Mm. And logic is the best antidote to emotional flare-ups it will just bring it all down and not to say that you'll go from being very unhappy to delirious in 30 seconds or anything like that but it just enables you to go no actually I can do something about this even if it doesn't totally resolve the situation and even if sometimes what you have to do isn't um, something that you particularly enjoy when we're feeling <clears throat> overwhelmed and stressed, what we're feeling is out of control so if we can feel we've got control even over some elements Mm. or calm down so it, it really does work um and i regularly rant out on paper mm, do you know what that's a brilliant one to share with the listeners so thank you for that pleasure 
So then I'm going to ask you this then. Have okay. you ever had a time where you felt you wanted to give up in business and how did you get through it if you did? And if you didn't, what would you do if you did feel like that? <laughs> oh, I think it's very sweet that you think I haven't. I've been working in my business for five years. I'd be surprised if anybody who's been in business. Oh, you're making me feel years, better now. <laughs> uh, hasn't, hasn't had that. Of course I have. I mean, I think it depends on what's been going on. For me, my um, really challenging time running my business was when uh, my, husband, my ex-husband and I split up and we went through the divorce and I was dealing with all of that in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that very emotional and distressing as you'd imagine. And it yeah. was hard to come into work and work on other people's confidence and motivation. Mm-hmm. Like, candidly, mine was um, <laughs> flipping all over the place. Yeah, I can imagine. And I think, I think for me, it's, it's the way that I kept going, I kept going on was asking myself, how much did I really enjoy doing what I was doing? Because everybody has tough times at work. Everyone has personal life, mm-hmm. whole lumps and bumps. You can have a job you absolutely adore, but you can't protect your personal life from having events. Like you shared your very personal experience at the beginning of the yeah. podcast of having a heart attack. That's not something that you can, well, you, you can prevent to a point, I suppose. But you know what I mean? You know, yeah. That happens and that will impact on your professional life, regardless of how much you enjoy it or not. Oh, definitely, definitely. uh, My advice would be that if you are struggling in your business, and let's just take financials out of it just for a second, because they do, of course, cause immense stress, Mm. is to ask yourself this question. And the question is, what value do you, as the business owner, deliver to your clients? And how does that transform their lives? Yeah. Because when you do that, you see how much of a difference you make to other people, but you mm-hmm. equally see how, what it is that you do in order to do that. You know, what is it that you actually sell, if you see what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and then you can ask yourself whether you actually really enjoy doing that. Because um, mm. one of the things I realized quickly when I was coaching, doing the pro bono stuff for the guys that were going through redundancy, mm. is that it was very easy and understandably a lot of people did they went and got the same job in another organization without asking themselves whether they actually like like that job at all and it fulfilled them mm-hmm. so one of the first things I did in that scenario is I actually said right okay you can go of course you can go and go and get the, a similar job in another organization or a promotion uh, you know whatever you want but before we do any of that should we just make sure you actually want to do it that it actually fulfills you mm-hmm. and it actually re- makes you enjoy mm-hmm. You know, you're using this, the talents and strengths within yourself. So you're rewarding yourself, if you see what I mean. So mm. whenever you're struggling in business, that's where I would go to. I would be making sure that actually what you're doing really fits with who you are and brings you joy as well as cash. Mm. The cash is important. I'm not going to pretend it isn't. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, you talk to anybody who um, is uh, running their own business and you start talking to them about why they do it, their passion radiates from them if they really are doing yeah doing yeah. what's right for them and every time that I had a bit of a dip I did that and every time I it would just make me smile and go no I'm carrying on I love doing this mm. um and I did what I needed to do in my personal life so I was already having counseling um having had depression in the past I have counseling every month anyway I just mm-hmm. see it's part and parcel of looking after my well-being just mm-hmm. the same as going to personal training so I up my counseling to once a week Mm-hmm. Um, I up my personal training and I asked my family and friends for help um, and that enabled me to sort my personal life out and re-engage with my business all really good moves as well isn't it because uh, I think I think we have this issue sometimes where we don't we, we think about our physical fitness but we don't necessarily think about our mental fitness as well and how we cope so I think that sounds really positive moves to do it's very very um I was going to say it's very, very difficult. No, I'm going to say that it is very, very difficult because when you're starting to go into a a stressful, emotional, tough Mm. place mentally, it doesn't just happen overnight. It's a very slow, gradual Mm. sort of move. Um, And we don't typically stop and analyse our thinking and ask ourselves, is is our thinking starting to be quite negative a lot of the time? Mm. Um, and, and so you can go quite far down before you realize that you're not doing you're not you're not doing well um, and that's why um, I think anyone who does what I do um, is 
very much thinking about their mental health all the time Mm. Um, because if I'm not doing okay I can't help anybody else Mm. but equally I'm not doing okay which is is no good for me Mm. but the only difference I I think for genuinely the only difference is is that um, not only have I had depression before but I've gone through all the training and I do it as a job so I get a lot of prompts to remind myself to look after my own mental health as well Mm. if you see what I mean yeah Um, not everybody everybody, um, has that so I think it does become more of a challenge for people that um haven't got haven't got my sort of world if you see what I mean yeah no I do I totally get that so that kind of leads on to um that I'd noticed you'd written an article on what to do when you hate your business yeah Uh, and that's really it does to me seem quite a taboo subject so so you start off in your business you're full of passion like you've said um, and I think that's just another angle from what we've just discussed. Um, and you said, so are there any other tips you'd share to get yourself out of that mindset or to make the change you need to do? I think it's understanding why you hate it mm-hmm. is the key. So as I said a moment, a moment ago about understanding what it is that your business does and why you love it. Mm-hmm. Often when people hate their business, it's because they're actually not doing in the business the thing they love. Mm-hmm. So when I see people starting to potentially fall into the pattern of hating their business, it's when they have scaled up. They've gone from maybe a small team of two or three to now a team of maybe five, ten plus. Mm. And it starts to change actually what's going on within the business and what the business owner's role is. And they stop doing the doing, the very thing they love, the very reason they started. So basically what's happened is you've been promoted several times in your own business, but no one told you (laughs) because you're the business owner. Ah. Um, And again, it's working out what the business needs are and what your personal needs are Mm. Um, and making sure that you actually are getting to do the things that you enjoy whilst obviously not undermining or derailing your staff by um, micromanaging, which is a, you know, is a, is a balance and is an area that I work with my clients on a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is it's one of those things where if I look at what I do today in my business versus even 18 months ago it's massively massively different um, mm. and you know as I've transitioned through the different things that my business now needs an example of that is doing this um, mm. you know 18 months ago I didn't video and post on LinkedIn I didn't um, I didn't really use LinkedIn much at all if, um, to be honest at that point mm. so my job is very very different now um, and if I wasn't still enjoying what I do as a job and enjoying the fact that now I get to tell more people, um, I don't just, you know, not just in meeting room <laughs> sizes and things, um, mm-hmm. then I could potentially be really quite miserable in my business right now because it's asking me to present and do and contribute in a very, very different way. So if you understand that, that that's where I would start really and making sure that you're getting to do what you enjoy from your business. And mm-hmm. if not, um, what you can do about that. Mm. I think that's really good point so thank you do you think confidence makes a difference to your business having confidence I think that having confidence makes a difference to you in every possible element of who you are as a person Mm -hmm. because um as soon as you're up and about and you're starting to do things um you're you're relying upon your experience and your ability to do them aren't you so you might come downstairs and make a cup of tea and you'll think nothing of it um Mm. but I'm currently teaching my 12 year old how to make a cup of tea Mm. um and watching her it makes you realize that actually for her she hasn't actually got the confidence to make a cup of tea yet Mm. for no other reason than she hasn't done it enough times Mm. and she's scared of hurting herself or doing it wrong Mm. And it's a very simple example, but that's for everything, isn't it? You know, it is. I think a, a big one that we can all remember if we are drivers is learning to drive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that we had to change gear um, and signal and look and everything else oh. all at the same time was just like, you are kidding me. This is not humanly possible. I remember actually saying that to my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying, well, yeah. Kathy, how is everybody else managing to drive? I was like, I have no idea, but I, I couldn't get my head around it. So or the first time I went to go and put petrol in the car, I was terrified. Yeah. It was all the yeah. pumps. And I was like, right, it's definitely, it's definitely petrol. It's definitely this. And I remember getting all these things that we did, sort of, um, especially in our teens and early 20s, we learned all these amazing skills. Yeah. And then you go on to um, f- 
further into your, your adult life and we've got all these experiences and we've got all of these um, things that we can do and we forget that we had to go through a learning process mm. first. So then we get incredibly frustrated with ourselves when we come across something new and we can't do it instantaneously. And this is an area, again, that I work in a lot with clients. You know, how on earth can you expect yourself to be able to do something if no one's ever shown you and you've never done it before? Mm. Yet we do. Yeah. We really do. You yeah, know, so we do. We just like, no, no, we should be able to do that. You know, as I said the other day, I'm 55. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you were 105, you've never done this before. Why mm. would you expect yourself to be able to do it? So I think when we talk about confidence in business, um, every single day we're doing something new in business. And mm. if we're not, then that probably means that we need to be starting looking within our business to see whether we need to reaffirm our strategy and our vision and where we're going. Mm. So your confidence is very important because, as I say, every day you're doing something new. So if you're going into that situation feeling negative, feeling anxious, feeling stressed about it, then even if you do an amazing job after it, the self-criticizing you will do will be immense, mm. um, which will completely and utterly take away the, from the success that you've just had. Yeah. And the way to think about, the way to deal with this is to think about your self-talk just before you do something, mm -hmm. the thing that you're nervous about, the thing you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about. So take this podcast, for example. I've never done a podcast before. Mm -hmm. I was a bit nervous. Of course mm -hmm. I was. Um, I'd already, I've already done a live on Facebook for the first time this morning as well. So it's been oh. a first. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's been very interesting. So in the Facebook live, all I could see was my face, which is a bit <laughs> disconcerting. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know. Um, so I, I'm actually finding this easier because I can't see my face because I can see a picture of you, which is very nice because you're smiling <laughs> at me. Um, and, and so, you know, I got off the, the, the Facebook live and I, I was a bit nervous and I got off and I was like, you yeah, know, that went really well. And what I did is I wrote a list of the things I was most proud of so that when I came to do this podcast, the first thing I did as I sat down with my drink about five minutes before I logged in Zoom was I looked on the list of the things I was most proud of from doing the Facebook Lives. Mm. Um, and it's again, it's, it's getting that inner voice to be positive instead of it telling you all the worries and the, the things that might go wrong. Focus on all the things that mm. you're excited for in the challenge, but equally all the things you actually do know how to do. I do know how to talk. I think it's apparent now <laughs> um, <laughs> and I do love talking about um, my passion about psychology mm. so really somebody saying will you come and have a chat with me about something you're absolutely massively passionate about when mm. you're logical should it be something you're nervous about so it's getting your inner voice to be your friend rather than your foe because that mm. is where confidence gets destroyed is when your inner voice is scaring you about whether you will be able to do x y and z ahead of you mm. I think you're right. I always have this fear of making a fool of myself, but as, as over the last year, I've really realised it doesn't matter, does it? At the end of the day, that's my perception that that's what they're thinking, and actually, they're probably not at all. So, you know, so like you say, I like your tip though about you know writing down when you've done something afterwards. That's a really good one to, yeah, to do. I, I mean, why not? I mean, the thing is, is that. No one's your biggest critic other than yourself. Mm. So if, you can, if you've done something you're really proud of, if you note down, I mean, it doesn't have to be you know, a massive long list or anything. As long as it's got at least four or five things on there, then you'll get past my scrutiny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but in that moment, just after you've done something that you were nervous about and worried about and, you, and it's gone well, mm. is when you're being kind to yourself. Yeah. Wait 10, 15 minutes later and that's when you go, oh, God, did it, I said that and I should have said this and I was playing with my hair too much or I did that or I wish I'd said that. And, and that's when you start to get that anxiety because it's the first time you've ever done it. Yeah. You've got no measure of success, really. You've no idea how well you really did because you've, yeah. no, you've got no database of, of anything to evaluate it next to. The next time you do it, of course, now you have a database, so you've got something to compare it to. And that's how we build our knowledge and expertise. That's how our confidence comes from new mm. things becoming to going, you know, going from novice to expert, as we call it. Mm. And you're but, right, because I hadn't noticed that, but you're right. You do, you're quite kind to yourself when you first do things. And then after you've had about 10, 15 minutes, you start thinking about the things that you didn't get right. Yeah, or you worry that you might not have got right. You've no idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, which is even worse. I mean, yeah. at least if you know you did the wrong thing, you can rationalise that. But worrying that you might have done the wrong thing, but you have no idea, mm. that can keep you awake for days. 
Mm. Um, yes, definitely. And, and then you start looking for evidence. It's bizarre the way we work. So if we're worried that we've done something that we shouldn't have done, we seek evidence to support the fact we did the wrong thing. We mm. don't seek out the evidence we didn't. Mm. And it's only when people in our circle that we respect and trust challenge us will we then go, oh, yeah, you're right. Mm. Um, mm. And so, so we just, we do, we do worry immensely about doing the wrong thing and being perceived by people to be something that we don't want them to perceive as us. But if you remember that every single human being is walking around thinking like that, then actually, if you think about it, we're also busy worrying about whether we've done the right thing. We haven't <laughs> got time to worry about anyone else. So even if you have, we probably haven't noticed. Oh, I must hold on to that one. I remember um, doing a um, talk to a huge team and when I was still working and I was expecting my manager afterwards to say something and they didn't say anything for days. And I was like, so did I do something wrong? It's amazing how your brain twists it. So the yeah. fact that he hadn't said anything was as bad as if he had said something in a way. So, and then when we had a conversation, eventually days later, it was, oh, it went fine. What are you worrying about? <laughs> I th yeah. And again, that goes back to actually goes to communication styles. Mm. So uh, when I was in the early part of my career, I remember I worked with a guy who's an amazing guy, a very analytical thinker, didn't mm. share emotion. I didn't even know he got married. I was his PA and I didn't know he got married. <laughs> it's like four weeks. Wow. Uh, until um, his girlfriend then phoned up as his wife and said, oh, did he tell you about the honeymoon? What honeymoon? Oh. Um, <laughs> and, but he was just a very, very private person. So he would never praise me because for him, because he didn't expect to be praised, he didn't have that sort of requirement. That wasn't how he was wired. Mm. And it just took me a long time to work out that actually if he had a problem with what I'd done, I would find out instantly. He was great at giving feedback if there was something he didn't like. Mm -hmm. He just didn't think to praise me. Mm. No, no, nothing was praised, basically. <laughs> um, which is fine once you, once you understand that. And yeah. then as I got um, um, a little bit older um, and more aware of myself, that's when I sat down and said, right, this actually matters to me, this praise. I wanted to be sincere. Don't just go, well done, Kathy, just to say it. Yeah. Um, but, I, and again, then that was him learning. You know, he'd recently been promoted as a manager. So that was two people learning. I was learning what I needed as an employee. I was only 18, 19 at the mm. time. And he was learning how to lie and manage. So we were both just sort of kind of working it out together, really. Mm. And I think when you, um, that's a, going back to a good point on this, when you are a business owner, you spend your time um, rewarding and praising and celebrating what your team have done, and rightly so. Mm -hmm. but no one does it for you that's right so you know your customers can be very appreciative and they will say thank you and everything else and that's fantastic but they never sit you down and actually and when you did this and when you did that and when you did the other mm. and sometimes that can be quite difficult um especially um well not especially in my job but in my role often clients leave the session and sometimes they don't even say goodbye mm. and they're not being rude they're just immense in thought because i've done my job properly and that's what yeah. it should be um, I don't find out how well they found that session, what they did and where they're going to go until the next session. Mm. Um, and, it's, and it's been quite an interesting thing for me to realize that actually a client, I won't really know exactly what the client is going to do and how far they've moved within a session until I see them at the next session and I can see the movement and what they've done and how it's all evolved and changed. Mm. And that's been actually quite an interesting thing for me to, to learn that I don't get that instant feedback that I once had in my corporate life. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. This is fascinating. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay. Um, if you started your business again from scratch, would you do anything differently? Yes, I'd go and get a job. Oh, would I? No, I wouldn't actually. No, um, I think. I'm trying. Oh, recently, somebody asked me this. Um, I'm trying to think like this. There's two things I would have, I would do differently. First, I would have gone and got a, a business mentor from day one. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get a business mentor until I was uh, nearly 12 months in. Mm -hmm. um, and if you are a business owner um, and I haven't currently got a business mentor, I can't encourage you enough to at least explore it. Mm. Um, and don't I mean my business mentor has got nothing to do with my business professionally. He sells screws and fixings for the um, double glazing industry. Mm -hmm. mm, so quite different. So very, very different. 
but the reason why it's so powerful is that everything I've gone through, he's gone through mm. several cycles. It's 22, 23 years in now. Mm. Um, and it's, it isn't half nice to have a coffee with somebody who just is incredibly successful. It's, you know, doing brilliantly. And they go, yeah, I remember that. Or actually that happened a couple of years ago. Mm. It just makes you feel that actually it's absolutely okay when it's, it's a, ta- yeah. it's a challenge because yeah. actually that's normal. Because, mm. um, uh, and the other thing I would do is I would have spoken to more people that were sort of 18 months to 24 months into running their own business mm-hmm. at day one so that I really understood what being a business owner was. I hadn't got a clue. Honestly, mm. I hadn't got a clue. I went into it thinking, right, I've got an accountant. I've got a website. <laughs> I've got product, which is mm. coaching. That's everything. Mm. And that wasn't remotely everything at all. No. <laughs> it wasn't even the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Um, the other thing I would highly recommend um, is asking whether you need any help with processes. Mm. Um, because a lot of the time as a business owner, you can lose so many hours of your day doing things in an inefficient way yep. because you don't make time to make a process. Yep. You think, oh, I'll do that next time. Oh, I'll do that next time. Mm. And you never do. And as the velocity of your business goes up, hopefully, which is what we all want, mm. that becomes more and more and more of a drain. Mm. Mm. Um, so if you are in that place where you're realizing and you're sort of nodding along at me at this point, get some processes in place, find somebody, if you don't, if that's not your area of expertise, find somebody who does do processing really well and get them in. It mm. will save you hours and it will save you so much frustration. Mm, that's something I do love doing you see so there you go <laughs> ah well there you go then we now know somebody else um, yeah. bizarrely, I was really really a processy person back in my corporate days but now that I spend so much time doing what I'm doing mm. I, I don't know whether it's I've just not got the headspace for it or whether I'm just not as data focused as I once was I don't think mm. I am actually don't think I'm as specific on details as maybe I would have been if you'd met me 10 years ago no I think I've evolved as well but I the one one of my loves is going in and process mapping um and but it's because I like to involve the whole team and get their input of where they think things can improve and pick and then get the evidence to show that this is the they're right this is where we need to do the changes and how can we do it and I, I just love watching a team buy into to those changes and and the fact that it's their ideas just make, gives me a real buzz yeah it would give it would give me a real buzz as well to be honest I think mm. um I'm just coming from the other side so where mm. you'd do that I'd come in and I'd be dealing with the team communications mm. yeah um, which is uh, which is an area that is often not working well and people mm. are unaware of just how much of an impact that has and that's actually interesting where uh, processes can start to break down because if the team aren't communicating properly then things in processes can start to get missed because people don't understand why that step is so important it doesn't seem important to them and what they're doing mm. and they're unaware of how important it is further down the line that's mm. how you know that reminds me of my corporate days when we used to have very fragmented uh, very confusing processes because actually no one had actually sat down as a team mm. and mapped it out Mm, exactly and the other the other thing that's really really important is explaining the background and I went into one recently where um, people were suggesting improvements but what they didn't understand was the background that sat behind it and actually there was some legislative um, background and that had to be implemented and they were trying to cut those bits out which would have made them fall foul of the law which wasn't possible you know wasn't the right thing to do but because nobody had ever explained that and given them that background um so so you do really have to be careful sometimes so it goes back to communication again it really it really does and and also just yeah it's the same as when, when anyone's saying they want to take something out of a process or they say they want to put something in. As long as you understand what that is there for, is purposeful, yeah. then it should be there. And I agree with you. Again, going back to my corporate days, many times things, critical steps were taken out mm. um, and then had to retrospectively retrofitted back in. Yeah. And a big project put in place to deal with anything that had gone through the process when those mm. critical steps um, were missed out. So yeah, I get, I totally get why um, you enjoy that. Um, and if you ever want somebody to come along and help with the communication stuff, 
Mm. I'll be there in a heartbeat. Okay. <laughs> I love that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think we'd make a good team together. So there you I go. Be, I think it'd be great fun. Yeah, it would. Yeah, could have some real fun there, definitely. So we're on the final question. Okay. What's the biggest tip you would share with other business owners for them to take away from this podcast? Ooh, <laughs> small question with a big answer. Mm. Um, I think my biggest tip would be that being a business owner can be incredibly lonely. Mm. Um, and every business owner has felt that. Mm -hmm. um, and that if you are in that space, A, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And B, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with admitting that and going and building yourself a bit more of a network. Mm. Whether it be going to networking events, whether it be contributing more on LinkedIn um, or on any kind of place where you can find people. Mm. But equally, don't be afraid to go through your diary and reconnect with people from your professional world they don't have to have been clients they can be from previous times in your career there is nothing wrong with making sure that at least once to twice a month you're having lunch with somebody that you are not currently doing work for and mm. um, two reasons for that is firstly you won't feel the stress of being in proper work mode mm. if you're not currently delivering to them mm. um, and secondly it's a great way to generate business ideas because they'll ask you questions you've not even thought of because mm. you're too close to it Mm. Um, and lastly it often leads to work mm. do you know that's a really good tip there because we often fail to do that we often fail to look back and, and look at those connections yeah, we, we, we absolutely do and yet these people know trust and trust us and are more likely to buy from us than anyone mm. who's just currently looking at our stuff from whatever medium they're finding us mm. um, but equally um, I know this may be more of me than anyone else that's listening, but I'm incredibly nosy, so I love to know what's been going on with you. Yeah, no, I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's happened since, since, we, since we last met? And as I say, I don't just go and meet uh, form clients, although of course I do, because that's a sensible thing to do. Mm. I catch up with people that I um, maybe haven't even worked with in 15 odd years. Mm. And do you know, that's why I like doing podcasts because I find out so much about people and I learn so much from them at the same time. And it, to me, it's always a really good hour of my time. And, and hopefully the listeners are finding it all useful as well, which would be a bonus. So yeah. Indeed it will. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I think we've come to the end of our time. So, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely sad to hear that. Yeah, because I think we could have chatted for hours personally. Quite possibly, quite possibly. <laughs> so thank you, Cathy, for your time today. It's been brilliant talking to you. Really, really interesting. Um, so hopefully we may have you on again another time. Oh, anytime. Ask away. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. So this is the People Mentor signing off until next time. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you need any help or advice, please contact Nicola on Nicola Richardson at thepeoplementor.co.uk. The People Mentor, driving your business forward.